Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. We're glad to have you and welcome to our multiple audiences streaming literally around the world. It's been a crazy week. Uh, we released on Sunday with Chris Gleason some really powerful information on election fraud across the country. And then we put an article out in CD Media a couple days ago. And boy, were we attacked uh, by Media Matters uh, immediately after that, just a few hours. So I guess we're over the target, uh, but that being said, we need your help. We need your support. Please sign up for our no-ad subscriptions. It's 10 bucks a month. You get access to all of CDM's ads, or excuse me, CDM sites across the world uh, with no ads. And uh, you help support free media. There's really not many other places you can turn. There's a handful. We're one of them. We're growing, and Media Matters really doesn't like us. So uh Anyway, support us. We need your help. We've got a really packed show today, so we're going to get moving. We're going to dig down in the local level. I've got Dr. Candace Taylor from South Georgia, and we've got uh, Mindy Moore from Forsyth, Stephanie Andres from Fulton, and then we're going to wrap up with Amy Kremer, who wants to call for a special session to get rid of the machi machines. So with that, I'm going to bring in our first guest, guest Dr. Candace Taylor. Welcome, Candace. Hey, Todd. Thank y'all so much for all you do here. This is a wonderful platform, and I encourage all my listeners that are watching, because I shared it on mine, to join and pay the $10. It's worth it. Thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, it is worth it. Um, you know, supporting free media is really important, and there's really not, other, not, a, lot another, not a lot of other places you can go. So anyway, what's happening in South Georgia? You, you're very busy, and I am told you have a lot to talk about. So go ahead. I'll turn it over to you. Well, I was elected first district chair, so I'm over 15 counties in the first district in southeast Georgia, and we are just working really hard. I'm actually mm -hmm. working with the 15 counties, trying to get them all to grow and to get uh -huh. more patriots involved so we can increase voter turnout. But let's not be mistaken. We understand that right now our votes are all hijacked. We got that. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing all the things that we need to do with voter turnout and, and get more registered voters and getting the churches involved. Mm -hmm. But... We also have a statewide effort, a grassroots effort. I have thousands of volunteers involved in that to get a special session called, but mm -hmm. also putting pressure on our local county election boards and yes. our county commissioners to defund these machines and go to paper ballots. There's a law in Georgia that allows for them to do that. And Amy Totenberg, the federal judge, she ruled the machines unlawful. And so mm -hmm. it's an emergency situation. If the Georgia legislators don't want to call the special session for whatever reason, I don't know what's wrong with them. Maybe they're scared. But they represent the people. And when the people want to use paper ballots, that's what we do because we run the country. We're a bottom-up yes. government. We, the people run the show. And you're, ele you're elected, maybe in some of these cases selected because they don't act like they're elected, but they swore oath of office to do the will of the people. And the will of the people is to secure voting. And this is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is an American issue. And it's, it's a nonpartisan issue. And we all want to have fair, secure elections. And so we're working really hard. We have teams all over the state. They're doing door knocking. They're doing canvassing. They're educating people. They're putting out newspaper articles. They're having meetings. We're doing a pastor's call. We're going to meet once a, month, once a week to get pastors all over involved because pastors don't want to touch politics. But let's be real. Jesus Christ was crucified because of politics. And yeah, so he threw them all out of the temple, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we, are, we want the pastors engaged, the congregations engaged. Christians are the largest voting block in our state, in our nation. Uh -huh. And so we have to get them involved. And they have to take a stand. Our country was founded on Jesus Christ, and we're going to lose the greatest nation that has ever been if we do not get really serious about this really quick. 
So what are the, what's the response from the pastors? You know, my father was a Presbyterian minister for 40 something years and he left the church because he was sickened as to what was happening. Are you getting support? I mean, because of the Marxist infiltration, the, you know, all the rainbow stuff. I mean, are you getting support from the pastors? So personally, I've not had one turn me down. So everyone mm -hmm. I've asked has said, yes, I want to be on it. Let me know when. Mm -hmm. But I have some of my volunteers who've reached out to their pastors who are a little, you know, leery and like, I don't know about mm -hmm. that. I don't get involved mm -hmm. in politics kind of thing. I, give me their number because mm -hmm. I haven't had one turn me down yet. And so mm -hmm. we're just going to keep pushing and we're going to get some big name pastors to come on there who are not scared to speak to them and, and encourage them and say, hey, listen, we're going to link arms together and we're going to take this country back and we're going to take Georgia. If we do not have Georgia, we do not win in 2024. Georgia is all on us. There's no way to pack. There's no pathway to victory outside of Georgia. My friend Seth Cashel, he's ran all the data. Captain Seth says 100 percent mm -hmm. we have to have Georgia. And I'm telling you, Georgia is the worst state for corruption in our elections. And if Brad Raffensperger can say whatever he wants to and Gabriel Sterling, the, the wannabe chef, he can say whatever mm -hmm. he wants to. We know, we've looked at the data, we've pulled the voter rolls, my friend Kim Brooks and, and Jason from up there and, and Frazier from up there in Gwinnett. It is insane, these voter rolls. If you haven't had them on the show, you need to. They are actually taking these voters that they put in a dormant status and they are reactivating them and they're voted on and they go back dormant. It's wow. cancel voters, it's voters who have moved, it's voters who have uh, moved out of the country, maybe they've died, mm -hmm. and they are reactivated and they're voted. And so they never, ever come off these voter rolls. So we can yeah. clean them up all day long, and then they're reactivating them, and then they're deactivating them. It's You're talking about hundreds of thousands. That's probably why they wanted to put it in the cloud in the first place, just so they could control it. It's the same thing in Florida. You know, people come on the rolls, they change their, they change their address, they send out the fake ballot, then they take them off the rolls, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's a problem. So, you know, the pastors were involved in the, in the American revolution. I mean, are, what are the pastors afraid of? That you're I running know. Into. You know, when Roe was overturned last summer, uh -huh. they just didn't want to offend anybody. There were literally pastors in Savannah, Atlanta. I heard from people that had, they were not mega churches, but they were fairly large, non-denominational mm -hmm. churches. And they said, you know, we don't want to offend people who may have had an abortion. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to offend someone who may have committed murder, or maybe mm -hmm. they're having an affair, or maybe they are confused about who they are in their mm -hmm. gender. Are you not going to speak the truth to them and tell them who they are in Christ? Because, yeah. you know, people who've had an abortion they have had trauma. They mm -hmm. need healing just like anyone else. And so sure. pastors saying hands off, that is stupid. It's just I stupid. Agree. It's pure ignorant. It's not biblical. It's not Jesus-like. And just call it for what it is. It's insanity. So we need to have the pastors take a hard stance on this voting issue. We have to secure our right to vote. You don't have to be a Republican to say that. We have to secure it. That's how we have a nation. We have nothing to argue about. We can argue about morality all day long. There's nothing to argue about without our right to vote secure because we do not have a country without it. Well, it's not Christianity either, you know, so, and, uh, but tell me about, um, you know, we get a lot of people coming in and saying uh, we, we can't focus on the counties because then we need a special session. I, I'm of the belief that we have to do all of the above, like you said, like everything. Above. I mean, voter turnout, you know, training people, working the counties and pressuring the counties because it's not just going to be this cycle. It's going to be further cycles down the road where the counties have to be involved. Right. 
So who do you think puts the most pressure on our elected officials? Do yeah. you think that our Georgia legislators, that they're going to listen to little peons that don't have a seat at the table? Or mm -hmm. do you think they listen to the, the machine of the GOP and the machine of the Democrat Party and the mm -hmm. machine of all the elected officials, all the sheriffs, all the pastors, all mm -hmm. the clergymen, all the municipal seats? Do you think they listen to them, other county commissioners, that they all covet their endorsements? Do you think when those people start calling and saying, hey, down here in Ackland County, hey, over here in, in Marietta, hey, over here in West Georgia, they mm -hmm. are swarming our meetings. They are telling us they want to vote on the on paper. They are mm -hmm. telling us that they demand it. They're showing mm -hmm. us the law. They're showing us this Totenberg case. They're saying mm -hmm. their machines are unlawful. Where's mm -hmm. the remedy? Y'all got to have a meeting. Y'all got to change this. Mm -hmm. I promise you, they host big fundraising events for these legislators. Mm -hmm. They put more pressure on them than I ever could, than you ever could. Well, now mm -hmm. we can because we have a media. I have a bigger mm -hmm. media platform than most of them in, in, in seats right now. So, yeah. yes, we can apply pressure, but the normal people cannot. And so we have to put pressure on our elected officials because then they, in turn, will put pressure on them along with us. That's just common sense. So anybody who says don't put pressure on them locally, they don't understand how things work. I completely agree. So what else does our audience need to know about what you're working on? Well, we need all the help we can get, all hands yeah. on deck. It's not, everybody's not a public speaker, I get it, but we can all put our bottoms in a seat. So mm -hmm. every time you have a county commissioner meeting and every time you have a board of election meeting, I need you sitting in a seat and I need you looking at them and they ask you why you're there later, say, because I want I want to secure the elections. I'm very concerned. I want to make sure my vote counts. I want to vote on paper and I want it counted by my neighbors at yeah. the precinct level, by Republican, Democrat, Independent, all together. I trust those people. I don't trust a coding system that can be overran with an algorithm that's a different code in two seconds. My husband said, you know, you can get all the, the ballot mules you want to bring on in the ballots. You can rescan ballots all you want, but you'll never scan enough or harvest enough to outdo an algorithm with one click. And that's, that's what's can that's what can happen in these voting machines because yeah. you can overrun code. You just can. So we need you in the seat. We need you to educate yourself. We need you to be there. And if you can public speak, we need you speaking. We have a Google Drive set up with, with scripts and, and relays written. All you got to do is read it, read them the law, tell them about it. So if you're interested in getting involved, you can go to georgiansfortruth.org and you can sign up and they will hook you up in our signal groups and in our emails and, and you will get plugged in and we'll, we'll get you all the resources you need. We need you to put articles in your local newspaper. We need you to talk to your pastors and tell them to get on the pastor call. So we yeah. need you involved at georgiansfortruth.org. It would be great if you go there. You can also go to Calls of America. That's Mike Lindell's group. Mm -hmm. If you sign up in Calls of America, we'll get that volunteer list. There's Holly Kessler. She works with us and she has access to that. She's the, the state lead for them and we will get you plugged in. Holly's a firebrand. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Taylor. We appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll have you back. I'm sure. A lot Thank going you on. for what you're doing. I, I right. love y'all so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. So uh, with that, uh, one of our sponsors, David Cross, who uh, you know from his election integrity work, also runs an investment firm, and uh, he's got a few words for you, so we're going to run that real quick. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. 
Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big proud American Eagle logo. So Mindy Moore is the chair of the GOP in Forsyth County. We're going to run her real quick. She wants to tell you about what's going on in Forsyth. We sat down with her this week. All right. We are lucky enough to be joined today by Mindy Moore, who is the newly elected uh, chairman of the Forsyth GOP. So Mindy, thank you so much for making time for us. Well, thank you for, for inviting me. So um, a number of counties had brand new people and, and some folks ascend to new positions during the uh, county elections. Uh, I guess it's back in March now. So it still feels very fresh to me. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of folks have been talking about some of the changes that have happened in Forsyth since those elections. So maybe one, maybe tell a little bit about your background and uh, some of the things that you've begun to do uh, in uh, uh, thinking about the Forsyth GOP, please. Well, so I, like many others, wasn't involved actively in politics day to day until after the 2020 election. And I woke up on the morning after and I said, what in the world just happened? But I believe that you're supposed to be part of the change. You can't just sit and complain and go to the keyboard and start complaining about everything. You need to step up and do something. And so I showed up at the Forsyth County GOP office and got involved. I was a poll watcher. I was a monitor for the hand recount back in November of 2020. Got involved as, on the school board level as well when they started messing with our kids in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of let God show me what the next step logically was. And that led me to become the secretary of the party and then was encouraged to run for chairman. And so in March, I assumed that role. And it's been... Um, it feels like it's been an eternity, but it's all gone by kind of fast. We've got a lot to do, and I wish that I had more hours in each of the days. But we do have a new board. We, of the six executive committee positions, only two of us stayed on the board, and we have since lost the other person um, that stayed on with me. He moved to Lumpkin County. And so we've got um, basically a brand new board of people who are excited and hungry to make change. And so everybody's been pulling their weight. Everybody's got wonderful ideas to share. And we see the party rallying around us to support us and support the initiatives that we've got going on. And that's, that's extremely encouraging to see so many people getting off the sidelines and getting involved. Yeah, boy, we sure did see that last week, too, on a broader scale with uh, the state election board meeting. Um, normally, a number of folks attend, but in a room made for, I think, a couple hundred people, they were overflowing. And we're kind of seeing that in a number of different locations as folks uh, realize that their personal involvement is is critical, uh, especially now, but, but generally, too. And uh, so folks have taken notice of Forsyth. Uh, they're talking about how uh, decisions are being made and, you know, the uh, cohesiveness, perhaps, of the the uh, folks on the executive committee who lead the GOP party in Forsyth. So uh, well, well done on all those. Um, what, do you, what do you see as some of the key goals for this year uh, and maybe in, even into next year? Well, our biggest goal is to basically energize the party, to build the base and to just get our army ready for 2024. We need all hands on deck. We need people to get involved like they've never done before. And we've got, like I said, we've got a lot of plans. We've got a lot of ideas and that needs 
resources. So that needs people, that needs um, financial resources from events that we're doing to raise money, as well as bringing people in on a membership basis, and just really trying to get people trained. In the past, um, I don't think the parties provided a lot of training to people who wanted to get involved. And so we are dedicating resources to making that possible. We actually have an event on September 16th to train people to get them ready to go out in the community for a community outreach effort. So we have a wonderful gentleman, Angel Rosario, who that's his passion. And he's going to come in and train our precinct chairs and others in the community who are interested in, in learning more. But we really feel like right now, even though we're pair people, we got to recruit people, we got to train people, and we've got to get them ready so that when 2024 gets here, we're ready to launch. Right. And you, you've all already offered a leadership uh, event, if I recall correctly, uh, what, a month or two ago to help people, you know, understand the notions of leadership and and uh, where they choose to get get more involved in that. Yeah. We did. And we had about 40 people show up and, and be involved in that. You know, a lot of people haven't been involved in leadership capacity and they've not been involved in trying to get out and talk to people in their community and take a leadership role. And so we do feel it's very critical that we provide them with the tools needed to be yep, successful. Yep. Um, so you mentioned events. So I understand you have a kind of a big event coming up uh, in just a couple of days. Would you like to talk about that for a few minutes? I would. We, on Friday night, um, doors open at six, the event starts at seven. We've got Steve Friend. Steve is a FBI whistleblower. He was pulled off of cases such as investigating um, child sex trafficking and pedophilia to go and surveil parents at school board meetings. I happen to have been one of those parents that were at a school board meeting and that was a movement like I've never seen before. And it's really, it's disappointing that our federal government is going after people who were simply exercising their First Amendment rights and their rights as a parent to go and um, protect their babies. Um, then Steve was also called in to go and arrest people on misdemeanor charges regarding January the 6th. And that's the point where he decided enough's enough. And so um, the FBI made it very difficult for him to stay. And he has um, moved on to doing some other things. And we're blessed to be able to have him here in Forsyth County on Friday night to share his experience with everyone. And um, we're also going to have a couple of other guest speakers. We've got um, Don and Donna from Cowboy Logic who will be here as well. And it's going to be a great night. And what we're hoping to do, Bill, is to bring in people who haven't historically been involved in the party, who have sat on the sidelines, and we want to engage them. We want to energize them, and we want them to have a chance to come out and see what kind of things we're doing. Um, we're not we're not sitting on the sidelines anymore as a party. We are actively out there pushing and talking about the issues that are important to people. And so this is going to be the first in a series of symposium events that we're going to do, and we're going to capitalize on current events. So we're hoping the next one's going to be around the movie Sound of Freedom and talking about child sex trafficking, because that is outraging people across the nation as over $150 million, people, or $150 million has been raised by that movie. People are 
waking up to what's going on. And we want to help to um, give them an opportunity to learn more and to get involved with people who, who really have the same ideologies that they do. We tend to feel like when we're uh, in our homes and on our computers that maybe we're kind of in a bubble, but we want to connect people who are like-minded in the community. So it's going to be a great event. It's going to be um, Friday night at the Lanier Conference Center here in Forsyth County. It's conveniently located off of exit 13. And uh, we will have um, food and drinks available. And it's just going to be a great time. And I, I do hope that we get a lot of new faces to come out and be a part of that. That would be great. It's also, um, as I'm reading your flyer here, it's also a very nominal cost, even for folks that aren't yet members of uh, of the GOP and, and maybe don't necessarily want to be, but would like to hear Steve speak and, and so forth. So it's uh, $35. Is that right for even non-members? Right. $35 for non-members, $25 for members. And right now our member rate for the rest of the year has been prorated to $25. So if you want to jump in and be a member of the Forsyth County GOP, you can do that and uh, save a little money on the tickets on Friday night. Right. Um, we're also real excited. Uh, Nancy Babbitt, our secretary, went out and she sourced um, some of the uh, the new ultra-right beer and we're going to have that offering <laughs> at the bar. So we think it's really fun and important to support other conservative businesses. We've been out in the community meeting with a lot of those businesses, and we have gotten a number of um, items donated for raffles. So we're going to have that as well. We want to showcase some of those businesses that um, are very like-minded um, like us. Well, while, uh, while we have this screen up, the, uh, the QR code on the right will take you to the spot where you, where you can uh, purchase tickets, um, which is a little bit bigger and easier to read than the one in the flyer. And then the, uh, it brings you to the website shown on the bottom of the screen. So either of those will work. Um, and then they can also go to foresight.gop to get more information as well. Is that right? That's correct. The That's flyer's great. on our website, and there's a spot to, uh, to click on to, to go to the link to buy tickets. I also heard a funny rumor that uh, folks had been coming and joining uh, the party and in some cases rejoining since the election uh, that brought you and the rest of the executive uh, committee. And uh, do you want to share just a just a bit about that? I'll let, let you let you throw up some fireworks. <laughs> yes, we have had a lot of people who had checked out of the party for a while. They felt like it just wasn't moving the needle on things, that it was rather dormant and stale. And so they we've convinced them, come back. We've got new leadership. We've got new ideas. We've got a new energy. And that's the thing we keep hearing over and over again is that there's an energy that exists in this party that they've not seen maybe ever but certainly in a long time. And so we hear that frequently. Wow, this is not the party that I used to attend meetings for and events for. And so we're hoping to harness those people and, and get that ball rolling so we can get those people back engaged. Um, it's, it's so important that we are not just the party in name only, but that we are actively out in the community lobbying for conservatives. And so one of the things we did earlier this summer, everyone started getting their property tax bills mm -hmm. right after Memorial Day. And property tax rates here went up again for the second year in a row. And so last year, um, my property tax last year went up to 41%. And this year, it was going to go up about 20%. 
And we all heard the outrage from homeowners and taxpayers. And so we said, we've got to be part of the solution. We've got to address this issue. And so we as a committee, uh, county committee, we put together a resolution that I went and took to the Board of Education that called on them to roll back the millage rate by two mills. And that was pretty significant. And so then we hosted a forum so that people could come and learn more. So we had two people from the Board of Assessors on the panel, two people from the um, county commissioners, um, two school board representatives, and then two people from our state delegation who were able to educate people on how are their property values assessed and what goes into the tax rates and then also answer questions. We had um, standing room only with over 200 people in attendance there. We had um, an email campaign and people showed up at school board meetings because that's 75 to 80% of someone's property tax bill is mm -hmm. the board of education. Right. And so we were able to work with our elected officials and the community at large and the board of education rolled back the millage rate by two full mills, which was over $40 million back to taxpayers in Forsyth County. So that was, that's how we're proving our relevance and how we can be an advocate for people in the community because one person by themselves is not going to be able to implement change. But when we all band together mm -hmm. and we all take a stand together, we can make a difference. All, all the more reason for more people to get involved because with with more people showing up, more people involved um, has a tendency to get the attention of the folks on school boards and county commissions and other uh, other uh, uh, leadership organizations. So uh, well done. Well done. I can't wait to see the next things that you guys are able to uh, to accomplish in Forsyth. Well, us too. We, we, like I said, we're very excited about the vision and it's really fun to work with a group of people who all have that same vision. Um, we all sit around the table and it, it's, it doesn't feel like work it, because we're, we're all on the same page. And so the leadership team that we have here in Forsyth County is phenomenal. For um, the first time in anyone's memory, we have all of our precinct chair positions filled. We have 28 precincts here. And wow. so we have a we have a changeover going on right now as one of our precinct chairs has moved up to fill a vacancy on the executive committee. And we have someone lined up right behind him. And so that is extremely um, encouraging to know that so many people are taking ownership in the party. Right. So as folks, we talked about the event. As folks want to learn more just about what the what the GOP is doing, your organization and so forth, where, where should they go? Well, they can go to our website for scythe.gop, but honestly, where we post the most stuff is on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And so just look for Forsyth County Republican Party and um, look for the one in Georgia, because there is one in North Carolina that people sometimes stumble upon. And we like to post a lot of pictures and information on all the, the fun stuff we're doing. We are going through a website redesign right now. We've got someone building a brand new re website for us. So shortly, we will have a lot of real-time data on there as well. And um, but we, we want to try to blast out as much as we can. And then you can join our website by go, going to our Facebook page. And at the top, you can um, join our mailing list. And we send out one email blast a week that tells you everything that's going on and keeps you in the know. And so we don't bombard your email box, just relevant information. And anybody can join that. So if you're in another county and you sometimes want to come over here, join our email list so you'll be in the know and know what's going on. Wow. That sounds great. All right. Thank you again for making time. We'll look forward to having you, you on again soon and, and uh, look to hear how the, uh, the event on Friday goes. So well done. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you. 
So um, I think we'll be hearing a lot more from Mindy as uh, time goes on. Uh, Forsyth is very busy. Another county that is extremely uh, important, busy with the GOP uh, internal things happening is Fulton. And we, we all know about the, the lawsuit against uh, the Fulton Commission, the election board, for not putting Jason Frazier on the board. So we thought we'd have Stephanie Andres come on, who's the chair of the GOP in Fulton, and let us know what's happening. Before we get to that, I just had a, a, a child uh, go off into the world out of college, and they got to their new place, and they realized they have nothing in their home. No towels, no sheets, uh, no dish towels, no hand towels. Uh, a lot of things that kids need to, to start off in life. Don't go to Walmart or Bed Bath & Beyond or other places like that to buy those. Go to MyPillow.com. Support Mike Lindell as he tries to save the country in the election fraud area. And also support free media because when you buy from him, you support us. Use promo code CDM. Outfit your kids there. Get Christmas presents. Uh, start stocking up. He's got a lot of sales always going on. So go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code CDM and support us against Media Matters and other people. So we want to bring Stephanie on. We sat down with her, and we'll hear what she has to say about Fulton County. We are so pleased today to be joined by Stephanie Andrews from uh, the Fulton County GOP. She is the uh, chairman elected in March of this year, right, Stephanie? March, March 11th. So uh, has busily been um, making that an even better organization as we go forward. So, Stephanie, thank you for making time for us. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate you having me on today. You bet. We, uh, we, we wanted to get an update on some of the things that have been um, happening in Fulton in the last weeks and, and I guess now a couple of months and some of the, some of the interesting and, and good things going forward. So maybe uh, if you'd like to give us an update on uh, the, the shenanigans with the Fulton uh, County Commission and what's been going on there, uh, please, that would be a great place to start. Sure. That's been the biggest topic that we've been addressing. So basically I nominated, so according to county statute, um, the Republican Party can nominate two individuals to the voter registration and election. I nominated Jason Frazier twice and the county commission denied twice. And the law is very clear where shall is placed. They're basically supposed to um, just put them on. And, and he met every one of the requirements in the law, which was you're an elector, you're not an elected official, um, and you're a citizen. So there you go. He met those requirements. And so we, uh, the party has sued and we are working lockstep with Georgia GOP. We've sued the um, Fulton County Board of Commissioners uh, as a body and individually mm -hmm. um, and to, to have Jason put on this board. And we're basically citing that this is a violation of our First Amendment association rights. We've also identified some other issues in relation to the process. When we initially went to court for the first temporary restraining order on July 6th, the county presented to um, the FCRP lawyer, uh, Mr. Oles, and to me, an affidavit signed by one of the former Republican can um, BRE members, um, Mark Wingate. He was um, basically told in an email that he needed to stay on by law. And then the county came back and had him sign an affidavit the night before court so that when they presented in court, it showed that there was no harm to the county because the seat was being maintained. Marcus suffered with some um, health issues and he had worked with the now chair was the lawyer for the BRE. So she knew his condition mm -hmm. and they kind of misrepresented the facts. So he we just filed again. 
um, changing our case to actually, they tried to say that they had sovereign immunity, the body did. So we um, sued the county commissioners individually and included an affidavit from Mark basically indicating the facts, the facts were that he was misrepresented information and there's some good stuff in there, fascinating. And it's disappointing because we keep expecting justice to be blind and the law to mean the law and we keep yeah. running into these stumbling blocks. So, so Mr. Wingate uh, uh, had intended to uh, vacate his seat on schedule, was that correct? Correct. And he had made, and this is what's in our affidavit, he had made it very clear earlier in the year he had no intention of serving anymore because yeah. he had been on for quite some time. Yeah. And then um, you mentioned that they uh, said or inferred or both that he was required to stay in that seat. Did they ever produce the law that says anything about required to maintain his position in that in that role? At this point, they have fi filed um, on Friday. I haven't fully read the entire documents, but they filed on Friday, basically asking for the case to be dismissed, talking about relevance. But they did not um, address some of those topics, basically. Yeah. You know, the responses, that really wasn't what it meant. <laughs> So. Yeah, we said that, but that's not exactly what we meant. Oh, goodness. Right. So, um, well, yeah. it, you know, given given the stuff going on at a national basis, I mean, with with uh, President Trump even calling out the, you know, the, um, the Jack Smith and their shenanigans, you know, he's saying that they're trying to they're trying to take away my my free speech rights. Well, I'm not I'm not having that. And so it seems like it folks, uh, the bad guys will try anything. Um, and, and look the other way as you challenge them about it. Right. Um, so as I recall, Mr. Wingate also um, uh, had said at one point that they went to great lengths to get the affidavit you mentioned. Uh, they, they were jumping through hoops to make sure that he signed something. Is that, did that, I understand that correctly? So this all transpired over the 4th of July. So if you remember, 4th of July was a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So on July, so we had filed the week before, on July 2nd, he, which was a Sunday, he received an email from Patrice Perkins Hooker, who is now the chair. Um, I don't believe she had been sworn in yet, but she had reached out to him on Sunday, basically in an email stating he needed to stay on. The next day, he replied the third. So then on the 5th, he received an email from the county attorney, um, Chad Alexis, who said that they were going to court the next day, something effective for a TRO, and they needed an affidavit for him stating to the effect of what he had agreed to with, with Patrice. Mm -hmm. And um, they told him he needed to read it, sign it, and get it back to them by 9 a.m. On, on July 6th. This was the 5th. And he was not capable of leaving. And so they were at his house seven between 7 and 7.30 the night before, that the, the 5th, to get it signed. So they had it for court on the 6th. Wow. And they had to get it notarized and all of that on the fifth. Wow. Is so the there were two nominations done at the same time as Jason was first, um, Mr. Frazier was first nominated. Yes. They seem to let the first one go through without question, mm -hmm. yet put put now a block in front of Mr. Frazier's nomination on two occasions, and you could argue a continuing uh, case now. Have you been able to figure out what it is? What is it about uh, Mr. Frazier and his capabilities or focus or whatnot that that they're so concerned about? I can only um, 
I can only make some assumptions. Sure. He really understands the data. He understands the voter roles. He understands how the process works. He has worked heavily with the BRE, made complaints. They worked hard to discredit him mm -hmm. by having, uh, he even presented, I think it was about 10,000 names that were Clerica errors and even said in his email that um, they need, they could just do these manual corrections. You know, you're just correcting the data. I found these in my search of, of the information. They mm -hmm. went ahead and sent letters stating that they were being challenged by Jason Frazier's and they had to be in court. Otherwise they wouldn't be allowed to vote. And many of those people were angry, but when Jason explained it to them, they were angry with the County because they were all being manipulated. The only thing I can think of is that they're afraid of what he can present and probably the, the typical, Oh, well, they're really hard. I've seen this. I was an elected official before. And now I've seen this play out with people where they say, well, they're just very difficult to work for. And I don't really like their style. It could mm -hmm. easily be some of that. But at the end of the day, the whole point of all of this is just to make sure that we're all effectively represented. He's a professional guy, had a professional career, handles himself pretty pro professionally, um, you know, until you push any human being beyond um, tolerance. But yeah. he, he's a great guy, great personality, professional. And, and smart. And very and smart. Very smart. And these um, are the things I think now our other candidate, Mike Heakin is just as smart, has been doing this researching in the roles, doing a lot of the stuff. He just didn't come to as many meetings and give and present as much data, but he had been doing very mm -hmm. similar work and actually worked on SB202 as well. So, um, you know, the people that are working in the party behind the scenes who are involved are strong, strong individuals who are just wanting to be able to contribute. So I'm glad that, Mike is there. He's doing a great job so far. He's prepping for okay. a second meeting this week. And um, and I'm excited, hopefully, to get some resolution on Jason. Oh, that would be that would be positive. It's it strikes me as odd that, you know, the uh, the same county, Fulton, um, on on at least one occasion um, testified there. Uh, their staff testified to meeting. Oh, no, we have everything under control. We're doing such a great job with the voter rolls and cleanliness thereof and so forth. Yet later on in the meeting announces a program to clean up their uh, their voter rolls. I thought it was somewhat astounding, perhaps. So, gosh, we're doing a great job, but here's the fix. <laughs> well, right. And, and the hard part with working, working this way with government is that everything has to be public, right? So when you're presenting issues that need to be fixed, of course, the individual on the other side is going to get very defensive and it's going to take it personally that you are criticizing them. Yeah. The first couple of times, that, that's not the case. But when this keeps going back and forth, then, then that is the case. But it isn't necessarily staff. It's probably leadership. And particularly the leadership of the BRE, because that's their job to manage that board. And then so is the county commissioners. Their job is ultimate oversight. Otherwise, why are you wanting to um, be involved in in some of these processes? Right. You can't have one without the other. And it's it's the quandary of does the law say that you know we have the right, the association right, as defined in the law, and the commissioner shall approve. Um, one way or the other, they're backdooring their way into being responsible for a department that if you talk to them, that they say, well, that's not my job. I'm not responsible for that. And at the end of the day, everybody, when you're an elected official and you're taking taxpayer dollars, you report to the people. You're responsible for all of it. That's exactly right. And and it's a good point. They do report to the people and eventually the people will start asking and may already be so asking these same questions. You know, what the heck are you doing? Why is this such such a big deal when you've got somebody who's 
essentially contributing time of his own for going on over a year now to try right. to help, you know, with, right. with nothing, asking nothing in return other than get it right, gang. So exactly. And that's how Jason got involved. It's how Mike right. got involved. Yeah. It's how well, I got involved. <laughs> Well, we will look forward to uh, to updates as they become available in the coming uh, days and, and weeks. Hopefully, this will be resolved soon. We we hope that that will be the case, and uh, and so forth. How, as we look forward, um, I understand there's some very interesting events coming up uh, soon. Perhaps you could share those and and uh, talk to people about how to get involved. Sure thing. On Saturday, we are um, so typically the Fulton County Republican Party has breakfasts where we have speakers and engagement and it's to, to engage the members. And it's a great breakfast at Rivermont country club in Johns Creek mm -hmm. this Saturday. We're actually doing a special event. It isn't one of our typical breakfasts. This is a paid speaker. His name is Steve friend. He's an FBI informant and he's mm -hmm. coming to speak to the group. He's just written a book and he's going to have a book signing, but it's a great opportunity for members and non-members alike to come listen to Steve speak um, you can you can sign up on um, FultonGOP.org, um, reserve your spot because the spots are limited and come hear uh, Steve Friend speak um, and get to get to see the Republic Fulton County Republican Party and maybe get get you to really look at us to join and become part of a movement, a movement that's about we the people. And it's, you know, our mission, your rights. That's that's what we're here about. It's not about party. It's about the people. And it's about justice being blind and everybody having equal, equal protection and getting that republic to be a republic, a strong republic that's about the rule of law. And that's what a whistleblower event is all about. Got to be a little challenging to be a whistleblower inside the FBI, I would think. I would um, think so, too. It's going to be very interesting <laughs> to hear him speak. But, you know, I they're... believe he, he's uh, he's spoken on a national basis, if mm -hmm. I recall correctly. Yes. And been on yes. Real America's Voice and I think Bannon and some others. So um, it should be a fascinating event. Um I, I seem to recall that uh, he he found himself involved in some activities that really just couldn't couldn't come to uh, reconcile those with his own conscience or or beliefs and decided it was time to you know time to start talking openly. So uh, give him a lot of credit for that. And for sure, I, I bet you'll have a lot of people interested to uh, to see him and hear what he has to say. I think so. And hopefully it'll open up some new eyes to get them to take a look at the Republican Party in a different light and realize that, you know, we're much stronger together. That's yep. for sure. As one body, that's that's what you know, that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of all the people being in alignment. I think I think that election in 16 scared them. I don't think they anticipated the result to be that. And so they um, never believed she could lose. <laughs> right. Right. The. uh uh, the you know the other thing that we've seen recently is folks are getting to that point. They they look at the timing that we're in. Um, they look at how many days, literally days, we have left until uh, the true election cycle really begins um, for 24, and they're realizing, boy, we're running out of runway. We need to make things happen, and so um, we're seeing lots of people get involved. We, we give them tons and tons of credit. Um, I know it's been for many a, a kind of a, a long road for the last two years, but just look at the state election board um, uh, meeting a week ago. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that I've ever seen the room that filled, filled to overflowing where as folks finished speaking, they would leave so that others could come in. 
um, and, and fire marshal paying attention because he didn't want to overflow the room. So right. I, I'm super encouraged by that. And uh, we're hearing from other uh, GOP organizations that people are getting involved that may not have been involved in the past, may have been involved and kind of, you know, uh, moved away or just haven't been participating as much in the last couple of years, but are, but are coming back with a renewed um, commitment to do what they can. And it's often in different areas, but that's okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's when you're, when you've been out of touch and you think you look at the national level and you say this, there's no way I could impact a Nancy Pelosi or a Mitch McConnell. How, how can I do that at the state level? I would encourage folks to start paying attention at their cities, go to the council meetings, or you can even watch them online. You can watch them after the fact, pay attention to what's going on and what's said. And remember why you voted for people Mm -hmm. This fall is an off election year. And in each city here in Fulton County, you're going to have two to three individuals seats that are up for election. Pay attention to the process. And that's the best way to get involved in elections is to see what's happening at the local level. Two reasons. It's easier to get involved. Really three. Number two, the candidates are your neighbors. And then number three, many of them are going to use that as a launching pad. You want to make sure that you know who's running for office, that they follow through on their commitments. They stand for the principles that you do and you can count on them because when they do get to the national level, it is much harder to hold them accountable. But if you're comfortable in who they are and their character at the city level, you should be able to feel comfortable helping them. And then get those elections, you're dealing with much smaller groups because it's your own neighborhood, it's your own friends. And you can start having those discussions. And that's the easiest way to get involved in politics. That is the, that is super guidance. And, and I absolutely believe that uh, you're right on target. Many people have talked about, hey, I've known them for 20 years and I still have his or her cell phone and I can call them when I need to. You know, these are the ways to, to tell people you're really watching. Sometimes it's, yeah. you know, we, we heard in more than one case uh, during the legislative session that, you know, the legislators were astounded to see the number of people that were showing up for the the key pieces of legislation, either the good or the bad. And they said, wow, you know, we're, this is a lot of folks and there's a lot of attention being paid here. And I, I truly believe there was some um, change in what was done and what was not done uh, based on that. So uh, sure. starting, as you say, at a lo local level is a great way to get involved. Perfect. And it's helped to groom them or to regroom them to remember, I'm not just your your person to vote. Like you're not selling me a product on election day. You work for the people mm -hmm. always. And you report to them. It's like going to a job and getting a performance um, appraisal. That's the whole point. And even some of the elected officials that have been in for a long time when the elect when the voters aren't paying attention and they're able to do what they need to do, habits are created like every one of us. And it's not that I don't think that they've done a great job. I think that many folks have done an amazing job, but it's been easy to forget that the people need to be involved and that their opinions matter outside of election day. And mm -hmm. so reteaching people or creating those relationships, not from an adversarial perspective, but at first you want them to be successful, but you want them to listen. If they can't listen, then, then that's a different conversation. But like everyone else, you want to give everybody the opportunity to be successful, as do the voters. But we're the ones at the end of the day that have the ultimate say, and we're the ones that have to take it back. Right. So um, as we go forward, lots and lots of talk recently regarding, quote unquote, paper ballots. And Garland would, would quickly remind me, well, we have paper ballots. However, they've got that barcode on them, and that yes. makes them not, you know, not compliant. 
as a real ballot that has to be human readable. So yes. we'll, we'll call them paper verifiable hand, re, uh, you know, hand marked ballots. What, what are you hearing there in terms of initiatives going forward? There's one initiative that definitely wants to remove the barcode itself because your own cell phone can't read it. So mm -hmm. does it really say what you think it does just because it printed off and said that you voted for Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Does it actually mean you did that? Um, and it's better to eliminate conspiracy theories if they can see it. So getting that barcode off there, there's a lot of movement right now to have a special session and to actually have paper ballots go back to the old ways um, and either have hand touch ballots or those, you know, punch cards, something that, you know, when you turn it in, you know what it said. It was it's not necessarily identifiable by you. It could be. But there's a huge effort for that throughout the state. And there was an effort to get the message out, not this weekend, but the past weekend um, here in North Fulton to get people engaged. And I know there have been efforts elsewhere in Fulton. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is the city of Milton, which is in the northern um, west corner of Fulton County. Their council mm -hmm. actually agreed to separate from Fulton County because Fulton, you're paying extra for all the extra people on the rolls that can't vote. They're not very accurate. They're not timely. So get it out of Fulton. They're running their own elections for this municipal election. It's a great ground for the city to prove that they can they can do it. They can do it for less. They can get the numbers done more quickly and more accurately. It would be a great um, feather in their cap in Milton to be able to prove that so that the other cities could follow through. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, we just have to be careful that there are efforts out there to sabotage the process. And that's not what's best for every resident hmm. in Fulton County or in the state of Georgia. So all eyes should be paying on the paying attention to the city of Milton, because what they're doing is working through the process, creating their own voter training, hiring their own staff, setting up their own process. And it's interesting because I was watching the BRE meeting from July and they actually talked about um, hiring individuals, not full time, but part time, which opens those positions up to many other people. If you do not have to commit from the beginning to the end of early voting, um, and Milton is doing that. So it's interesting now that Fulton County has offered that. So there's a lot of good that can come out of this election. But the only way that's going to be successful and we're going to get a fair assessment is if everybody's paying attention and pushing hard and not allowing the process to be sabotaged because good data, good information and good processes are going to come out of this and prove, you know, let's get Fulton County out of all of the election processes. Let's start using our taxpayer dollars more expeditiously and prove that elections in Fulton County can be done pretty well and pretty well managed. Yep. If I remember correctly, when Milton was considering this, they did uh, or were uh, privy to a study that suggested they could save a quarter million dollars. Was it in the first year something like that? At That's least. Pretty, at man, least. Yeah. These are, these are big numbers. And this is one city. Yes. So can you imagine if you just extrapolate that into, you know, an area, a county, um, a, a region of the state? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yes, feels feels like there should be very big savings sitting there waiting to be discovered or acknowledged, perhaps, is a better word. Well, and so. when they prove that they can do it successfully, it'd be like any other corporation that looks to decentralize its operations so that it can be at the hands of the lo local level where appropriate so they can have better cost assessment, better management of revenues, you know, that that whole review process. Well, mm -hmm. that's in essence what this is going to be. Get it out of the mothership, get it down to this to the cities where they can actually manage it. 
They can manage the process all the way around. They're not paying some exorbitant fee to Fulton County, and they also can manage their own voter rolls. They, they directly have incentive to ensure that their voter rolls are clean for accurate voting, for tracking who's coming in, that whole process that we know um, isn't accurate in Fulton County. They, when you have more than 100% of the voter electorate um, listed on your voter rolls, and when you statistically look at other areas, they're not even near 100%, let alone more than that. Those costs are being passed on to the counties or the cities to run their elections. That right there is part of your cost savings. And then being able to manage it internally with appropriate staff, still having the checks and balances and controls that are necessary to ensure that you have the segregation of duties, the, the appropriate components to ensure that the vote is secure and accurate. Yeah. And all of those, all of those, cost elements or even before you get to the debate of well what does it cost to have an inaccurate right. election what, exactly. what, what do you pay then is it 1.7 trillion dollars for something hmm who knows i guess we'll find out exactly well that's the that's a wonderful update it sounds like you're doing just a wonderful job in fulton i know that it's it's a challenge but i bet the people are going to end up being um, being very thankful for the work that's being done and hopefully the, these issues will get resolved. It's a, it's a strong team, um, not only in the party, but throughout the County that's working hard and there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Cause again, it, yeah, you're wearing an R, but it's about we, the people were motivated to do what's right by all the people of Fulton County. Um, and, and to get us to look positively in the national light. Yep. You know, it's funny, but a lot of people have been speaking recently about, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter what what letters on your shirt. It's it, it the things that people want are often very similar, very common. And if we recognize that, sometimes people can work together that might not have foreseen that as a path before. So absolutely, um, very interesting. All right. We will look forward to to um, update soon. And we appreciate Great. you making time. Sure thing. Uh, take care and and uh, come back as soon as you've got new new and exciting news. Thank you, Stephanie. Will do. Thank you so much. Wow, great update from Stephanie Andres in Fulton County. Uh, there's a big movement to, as she said, call a special session in order to get uh, go to paper ballots in Georgia. Uh, we're going to be focused on that over the next few weeks and months. It's going to be a big topic for us, and we're going to have a lot of guests talking about it. We're going to get into the legislature, its legislature itself and talk to individual members and uh, try to get this to happen. So we're going to bring on Amy, Amy Krimmer, who is very focused on this. Please sign up for our new ad subscriptions. Go up to the top right of georgiarecord.com. You'll see subscribe with no ads. It's 10 bucks a month. You get access to global news across CDM with no ads. Uh, that's a big deal, and a lot of people love it. Uh, and they can just scroll on their phones all day long and not worry about the advertisements. So uh, please support us because free media is very important for your children and grandchildren. And now I'm going to bring Amy on and let her talk about the efforts to bring on a special session. Thanks for joining. We have uh, the chance today to catch up with Amy Kremer, the chairwoman of Women for America First. So Amy, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bill. I'm excited to be on here. That's great. We, um, you know, we, there's lots of folks that are involved all over Georgia. I know some have been able to um, get with you and, and understand your initiatives over the past couple of years. But maybe it takes maybe it uh, would make sense to take a couple of minutes and refresh folks on what you've been involved with, please. 
Sure. Well, I'm one of the founders of the Modern Day Tea Party movement here in Georgia. And then I'm one of the co-founders of Women for Trump. And then in 2019, I started Women for America First. And we are the group that after 2020, um, when the election was stolen, we organized people across the country and held rallies and protests across the country. We had three big rallies in D.C. on November 14th, December 12th, and then on January 6th at the Ellipse. We also had the March for Trump bus going across the country during that time for a six week period as well. Um, so we've been actively engaged um, after we did not go to the Capitol. We didn't have anything to do with what happened at the Capitol. But I actually think that what happened at the Capitol was an inside job to cover up the biggest crime in history, and that is the stolen election of 2020. Um, since then, I have been under subpoena by the January 6th committee and now the DOJ, and they're using lawfare and other lawsuits to come after us because, look, Bill, if they cannot, you know, if you weren't at the Capitol and they can't arrest you and imprison you for being at the Capitol, they're going to come after you and destroy you and your family with lawfare and try to bankrupt you. So for the past year and a half, I've been dealing with all that. It's still ongoing, but I've gotten back engaged. Not that I was ever not paying attention. I've always been paying attention and been, you know, just haven't been hosting events and that sort of thing. So but I got back engaged because I'm concerned. I've lived in Georgia my whole life, born and raised in Cobb County, still live in the Lassiter High School District where I graduated. And um, I'm really concerned because I think we're at the end of the road. And if we don't save the state, we can't save the country. I think all roads lead through Georgia. And we know that the DA in Fulton County is coming after President Trump and others and that are part of the Georgia GOP. And so people have been paralyzed over the past two years because of everything that's been going on. And we're running out of time. We need to get rid of these electronic voting machines. And I know there are efforts that have been going on and I applaud the people that have been doing it, but nobody's focused on the state legislature and they are the only body that can get rid of the machines and take us to hand counted, hand marked, hand counted paper ballots. And so that's what Women for America First is focused on. We launched um, a project called Paper Ballots 2024. You can go to paperballots24.com, paperballots2024.com and find us there. But um, we're completely focused on the legislature and getting rid of those electronic voting machines. Our elections are not secure in Georgia and we need to pressure our reps and senators to call a special session to repeal House Bill 316, which is just, uh, I mean, abysmal, and um, appeal that bill, pass new legislation, and move forward. So that's a that's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of stuff to be involved with. Let's let's see if we can unpack a little bit to get folks okay. comfortable with some of this. So one is, um, you mentioned in the midst of that that you were um, on the radar with the J6 committee. Now, since the committee has uh, disbanded, is that is that gone by the wayside or is there still something going on there? No, that's gone by the wayside. But as my attorney says, they were never the the ones we had to be concerned about. What we have to be concerned about is the DOJ. Yeah. And as he said a number of times, you know, three, five years ago, he would have told us we had nothing to worry about because we did everything legally. We had were had permits by the National Park Service to hold all of those rallies. Um, we were actually the only organization in the movement paying for all of these events. So, um, you know, we did it. It was our First Amendment right to hold those demonstrations. We did absolutely nothing wrong. But as he says, what they're trying to do is they've, you know, put out this dragnet and trying to drag everybody in and they're trying to criminalize free speech. And yep. 
you know, they've never seen anything like it before. So we had the FBI show up last September um, to serve subpoenas. And that's the thing, Bill, is the FBI didn't need to come serve us personally. The J6 committee, it's documented, the J6 committee had been working with the DOJ. They knew who all of our attorneys were. But that one day where, you know, the people in in Trump's closest orbit that were served the subpoenas, like 50 of them across the country, that's when my daughter Kylie and I, they served us that same day. And it was for pure intimidation. Well, perhaps it's not then coincidence that just in the last uh, 24 hours, I believe, President Trump has said that they one of the current dynamics is they're trying to uh, keep him from being able to exercise his right to free speech. Yes. And, and said and said, I'm not going to allow it. I'm I'm not going to let them take away my right to free speech. Right. So there seems to be a lot of, you know, a lot of focus on that. The um, it's interesting, too, that uh, we're, we're in the midst of some dynamics here in Georgia. You mentioned it yourself. It seems like all roads uh, lead here. Right. And many people that have both been been with us on the show and, and others in, in the community and really across the country have, have acknowledged that there's just something about Georgia. We just seem to be, for reasons that people don't, don't necessarily recognize, the epicenter of many of these things. And why that is, I think we'll, we'll end up learning over time, but right. it, just, it does seem to come back and roost here. Um, we, we have a number of, of dynamics going to court. Of course, uh, Fannie Willis and her plans. Uh, I think she's pretty openly stated her plans to, um, you know, to go after President Trump in the coming uh, weeks. Right. I think she said before the end of August. Uh, they have, uh, as you probably know, they have barricades up outside Fulton County Courthouse and theoretical preparation for something like that. There's also speculation that they are going after uh, some, at least, of the uh, alternative electors. Right. that were selected um, to represent the uh, Trump's uh, vote in case the election, in fact, got overturned on January right. 6th, or at least if the question was was upheld. Right. And so now they, after following a, uh, a lawful um, set of steps and being selected as the these alternate electors, they now find themselves in jeopardy. So what, exactly. just thinking about that for a minute, you know, one of the things that I... I strikes me is here's people that actually are right in the crosshairs at the moment. What would you, what would you say to, to these folks as they face what might be charges in the coming days? Do you have a, have you thought about that and what would be your message for them? Well, first of all, the day that they're arraigned at the Fulton County courthouse, I plan to hold a press conference down there with some allies in this movement um, to show our support for them because this is a political witch hunt and we all know it at this point. I mean, it's overkill actually. And so, um, and some of these people that are facing indictment, honestly, are some of my dearest friends and I have stood by them and encouraged them and I will continue to stand by them. You know, they're not in this alone. We're all in this together. We know what's going on. And there are some of us that have been targets and in different ways. And so, um, the, the law is on their side. They did nothing wrong. They did nothing illegal. Um, they had every right to uh, 
to form that alternate slate of electors. It's been done before and um, and it was done inside the Capitol. And so I just encourage them to stay strong, keep their faith and um, keep moving on and know that they're we're standing with them. And listen, I mean, honestly, Bill, you know, Bonnie Willis is going after them on RICO and this conspiracy. I mean, who's to say she's not to come after some more of us? We're just our names haven't been aren't my name hasn't been lumped into this um, here in Georgia, but that's not to say that I'm not going to be, you know, pulled in or that I won't be, it won't happen to me with the DOJ. I mean, anything could happen. Like my attorney said, you can't, they've never seen anything like this before, but at the end of the day, you know, what they want to do is they want to sideline us and they've paralyzed so many of us with fear because of the subpoenas and the FBI showing up and all these things, and even what they have done to the J6ers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have people paralyzed, afraid to go to rallies, afraid to go out and do anything for fear that the FBI is going to show up or access their devices or whatever. And I am a fighter. If they're going to take me down, by God, they're going to take me down fighting. I regret that I have been sidelined for the past year and a half. I should have been more engaged. But here I am and I'm going to fight on and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. This, there's, I am a former Delta flight attendant. I've traveled the world. I know how amazing this country is. I've been to those third world, world countries, you know, and seen the squalor in Rio de Janeiro or in um, Guatemala City. I mean, all over the world. And so I know how blessed we are. And on 9-11, I got stuck outside of this country. I, it was almost a week before I got back in. And literally when we when I got off that airplane, I literally bent down and, and kissed the ground because I was so thankful. The best gift I've ever been given in my life is my U.S. citizenship by my parents. And, um, and I know how blessed we are to, to be here and to be American citizens and to have the ability to to fight for this country. And I think that we must, you know, join, join arms and fight on. I think that that parallels what we're hearing from, from many of the, the best known folks in the movement right now. We heard it from, uh, you know, from uh, uh, Catherine Engelbert who joined us a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, you know, the, the need for involvement, the need for recognition of what we're up against and, uh, and personal involvement is critical, vital yes. uh, at this, at this time. And Bill, I'll say, I mean, I personally would rather live my life fighting against tyranny than to live in peace under tyranny. You know yeah. what it is? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And like I said before, I think that we're at the end of the road. So it's now or never. Yeah, we certainly are. You can feel the um, the timing getting tight, you know, the right. the the uh, movement um, in terms of folks becoming involved, looking at the number of months uh, that, and days now that we have left until 2024. And there just feels like it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fulcrum in, in uh, history, I guess, if, if you will. So have you, is your sense that um, more folks are now getting involved in a broader way across Georgia as you, as you go around and, and meet with these various groups? I, I do feel that, but I want to encourage people to reach out um, to everybody they know and get them engaged. There is, um, if you don't mind, I want to tell you how we can get paper ballots in Georgia. And because we are running out of time, uh, you know, I think there's been a, a hesitance or resistance to go on, you know, 
pressuring the legislature and the governor because they say they're not going to do it. There's no way Brian Kemp's going to call a special session, but um, we can get it done without Brian Kemp. And the way we do that is by getting two thirds or three fifths of each chamber of the House and the Senate in the Georgia General Assembly to um, declare an emergency and call on the governor to convene a special session. And if he does not convene that special session in three days, they can convene the special session themselves. Once um, they convene a special session and pass the legislation, if it passes with two thirds votes, it's veto proof. If not, Kemp can veto it. But I think that that would be really foolish and I would hope he wouldn't do that because we all know he has higher political aspirations. Um, but and if he does not veto it, it sits for 40 days and ripens. And then in 40 days, it becomes law where we're running out of time is that our the current law is that any changes regarding the election have to be done 90 days before election day. Well, our next election day is March 12th. That's a presidential primary. And so you back that up 90 days, that's December 13th. And then if you run this up to the very end and you need those 40 days, 40 days before December 13th is November 2nd. That's 86 days from today, I believe. And so we need a special session called and the, the legislation passed within the next 86 days. And we can do it. I absolutely um, believe we can do it. You know, after um, January, after November, 2020, when we started organizing, everybody said, you're never gonna get enough members of Congress to contest the electoral college. It's not gonna happen um, so that they can look at the fraud. You're never gonna get a, a million people to Washington, DC. Well, I mean, as that's, that process started, Bill, Mo Brooks, and I believe Gosar and Biggs maybe were with him in the beginning, he came out with a plan to contest the Electoral College. And so as we started holding these rallies and protests across the country, we started seeing members of Congress flip one by one to get on board with that effort. And Josh Hawley was the first one, I believe, the first senator to come out and say he was going to contest the Electoral College um, in by the time we got to D.C., we actually rewrote our map for our March for Trump bus tour. We had taken it west and spent Christmas on the West Coast because this was so important. And so the team on Christmas night rewrote our route to come back to Washington to go through those states to target the senators that we needed to get on board, such as Texas with Cruz. Holly, at that point, I don't think Holly got on board until December 30th. And then Marsha Blackburn here in Georgia, Leffler and Purdue. But moral of the story is by the time we got to DC, there were 150 plus members of Congress, I believe that, you know, were on board to contest the electoral college. That's why what happened at the Capitol happened because they could not have that joint session of Congress play out. Um, everyone said we couldn't do it. Everybody said that we would never get a million people to Washington DC, but Bill, we did. And we, and so we can do that here. We just need to apply the pressure now. We are running out of time. And so the focus needs to be on calling your state reps, calling the senators, calling leadership. Leadership in both chambers is so important. There's six um, leaders in the Senate. There's six leaders in the House side. Those 12 members plus the, um, the governor, the secretary of state, and then there's a handful of um, 
of committee chairs that need to be called. And if you go to paperballots2024.com and sign the petition, when you sign that petition, you're going to go to a thank you page with resources. And there's a call chart there with all of these members, their numbers. And it's we broke it down real easy. So if your last name starts with A through E, on Monday, you call these four members. On Tuesday, you call these. You never call. We're never asking you to call more than four people. We have phone scripts there. We also have email scripts. So we need to be on their social media, responding to their posts, tagging them in posts. If they're doing events, show up outside of those events with your signs, your T-shirts. We need to do, you know, if they're at a festival, go talk to them, tell them that, you know, ask them if they think our elections are secure and see what their answer is. Tell them we need to secure the elections. And the only way to do that is to call a special session and um, get rid of these machines and to go to hand marked, hand counted paper ballots. We can do this, but we need everybody on board and focused on the state legislature for the next 86 days. So uh, just just to make sure we reinforce to all of these activities, whether it be phone calls or whatnot, we always do, you know, peacefully, uh, appropriately and so forth. That is uh, that is our um, responsibility in all of this. We're not uh, we're not here to um, to start uh, challenges or problems, but to make our will known. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, they work for us and they need to be reminded of that. I mean, some rep said two weeks ago. Brian Kemp is his boss. And it's like, no, Brian Kemp is not your boss. We're your boss. But um, I mean, the reality is they're fearful of Brian Kemp and it shouldn't be that way. They don't work for Brian Kemp. They work for us and um, and just call them and ask to set up a meeting with them. But be respectful. Ask them to do this. Explain to them why the size report, the Halderman report um, and and just, you know, remind them that they work for us, but always be kind and respectful. That's the only way that we're going to get anything done. Yep. You mentioned, you mentioned the website that you have stood up with information and calling and so forth. Could you repeat that one more time? And we will post it along with the comments uh, as we uh, do the show this evening as well. It is paperballots2024.com. And we're asking people to sign a petition. And I want to be clear. We know that a lot of people have, a lot of politicians do petitions to build um, their database and to raise money. That's not this, what this petition is for. The petition is not only for paper ballots, but also for a special session. And we've broken it down so that when you enter your information, you enter the county also. And so what we're doing is we're organizing down to the county level with county leads. And that information is being passed on to the county leads because they're the ones that can mobilize the people in their county. Uh, and so it is truly for organizing to get this done. Yep. Okay. Well, I sense uh, from your comments that you feel the, uh, you know, the urgency here. I know other people are building to that too. I will offer that based on what we saw at the uh, state election board meeting last week, there are a number of folks now getting involved that I think at one point, um, you know, didn't see this as, or didn't see direct involvement as perhaps uh, potentially part of their responsibility and goal right. and, and whatnot. Now they do. And I think that day by day is growing and I think it's growing quickly. So uh, your timing is, is important and uh, probably, probably exactly what's needed right now. So thank you. Um, any, any last thoughts before we, before we close out? No, I would just say, you know, just take 30 minutes of your day and it doesn't even take 30 minutes to call these, you know, four members, but um, 
take a, a few minutes of your day. It's worth it. It's, you know, to save this country for all future generations. And um, you may have never been involved before. You don't have to come and give a speech. Just come and stand with us. That's all we're asking you to do is come and stand with us. These members of the Georgia General Assembly, just like in Congress, are not used to people showing up at their offices, you know, calling that sort of thing. They're not used to that type of pressure. They really need to feel the heat metaphorically, you know, with phone calls and, and emails and whatnot. And if you've never been engaged before, reach out to us. I mean, you can get in contact with us on the website. We're more than welcome. We're more than happy to, um, you know, walk you through it in any of your family members. And if you want somebody to come speak in your area, I don't care if it's five people, a hundred people, we will come. We just need to get everybody engaged and don't believe the people that say it'll never happen. You're right. It'll never happen if we don't try. That's great. Once again, thank you for joining us. I'm sure we'll be speaking again as things progress both uh, through this year and into uh, into 24. So thank you for the uh, initiative and the involvement, Amy. Thank you so much, Bill. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for joining us tonight on the uh, Georgia 2024 Wednesday night edition. We'll be back Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, for, I promise you, a very special hour continuing our disclosures on election fraud across the country. We've got some massive evidence that's coming out. Last week's, last Sunday's show was just the first salvo in a long war. So thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our no ad subscriptions, top right corner, georgiarecord.com, support free media, and uh, we'll see you Sunday. Thank you. <laughs>